find in the book of Joshua, chapter 8, begin to read in verse 30. And this morning I want to speak to you on this subject, choices and consequences. Choices and consequences. Joshua, chapter 8, begin reading verse 30. Let's stand this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in Joshua Chapter 8, beginning to read in verse number 30, the Bible says these words, Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool, and they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests and Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them were in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who are living among them. Let's pray together. God, we ask that your spirit would speak to us and challenge us. God, as we do every single week as we come to this portion of our service. God, I pray for those who may be in our midst this morning. There's never really been a moment in their life that they've repented and trusted Jesus to be Lord of their life. We pray your spirit will convict them of their need, draw them, and we pray that they will choose Christ today, that they might be blessed Uh, with the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, life more abundantly. Speak to your church today from your word. Challenge us. I pray as we come to a time of invitation, a time of decision. God, when it's time to make a choice based on what your spirit has spoken to us today, I pray that we'll choose to respond with faith, that we might experience blessing. Show us from your word today to refuse your call is to experience cursing. And I pray, God, that we'll make the right choice each and every moment of our life. Bless this time, be honored and glorified through everything that's said and done here today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Please keep your place there in Joshua 8, but as a student of the Bible, you may want to be finding uh, Deuteronomy chapter 27 because uh, it is a a passage that uh, really bears a lot of light on Joshua chapter 8, even though we'll be spending the bulk of our time in Joshua 8. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 27, um, before Moses died, before Joshua became leader, and before the people had crossed over, before there was a Jericho to conquer, and before there was a failure at Ai, and then a victory, uh, that the Lord through Moses challenged the nation of Israel that once they crossed over, They were to march to a city called Shechem. It would be one of the six cities of refuge. Uh, Joshua would build a well there. In Hebrew, it means shoulder, strength to carry. It's a type of Jesus Christ because he is our city of refuge. 
but it's very significant there in Shechem because it's, it's kind of a natural amphitheater there in the valley near Shechem. To the north is Mount Ebal, to the south is Mount Gerizim. Mount Ebal is the mound of cursings, and Mount Gerizim to the south is the mound of blessing. And what Moses was challenging the people to do is once they got there, half of the nation of Israel is to stand before Mount Ebal, half of the nation of Israel is to stand before Mount Gerizim. There in the center of the valley would be the Ark of the Covenant. Joshua, all of the elders, all of the people were to be gathered in that place. Uh, Joshua was challenged in commission that he was to get two rocks, or, or just some rocks, and he was to whitewash them, to make a, a white field. And there in plain writing, he was to write a copy of the law. Then sacrifices were going to be offered on the altar that was built there at uh, Mount Ebal. And then after that, all of the law would be read to the people. And so the people were going to be challenged. They were going to be challenged to remember uh, that if they obeyed the Word of God, they would experience blessing. If they disobeyed the Word of God, they would experience cursing. Uh, verse number 11 of Deuteronomy 20 says, And Moses commanded the people the same day, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. When you've crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin, all these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse. Uh, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali, all these shall stand to the south uh, to, to bless. And so just to give us a modern-day uh, example that we might understand. It's like when half the stadium says, says D and half the other stadium says fence. D, fence. And so there would be a challenge back and forth. And so when Joshua would read blessings, the people would say amen, amen. And so when he would say cursings, people to the north at Mount Ebal would say amen and amen. So they were challenged to obey the Word of God brought blessings. They were challenged, and they were audibly able to understand uh, that there would be cursings if they disobeyed the Word of God. Well, now this has come to pass, we find in Joshua chapter 8. Joshua takes this detour from where he's been at Ai to march these miles north to Shechem. And he's done exactly what Moses called. He faithfully fulfilled what God through Moses had commanded them to do. To confront the nation of Israel with the law of God. And it simply comes to this, friend, and, and nothing's changed in all these years. You obey the word of God, you are blessed. You disobey the word of God, you will be cursed. You will experience the chastisement of God. And the choice is man's. You've got a choice to make. And it's just not in this moment for the nation of Israel. They would have to wake up every single day and choose to obey the Word of God. The same is for us today. We're going to come to a time of invitation. We're going to have a choice we're going to have to make. Well, guess what? Tomorrow morning when you make up, you're going to have another choice to make. Well, I serve Jesus Christ faithfully today. When it becomes lunchtime and somebody confronts you, you I mean, the devil in flesh challenges you. You're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to respond in the flesh? Or are you going to respond with love in a Christ-like way? On your way home and somebody cuts you off and acts like it's your fault that they cut you off, you're going to have an opportunity to respond by faith or to respond in the flesh. Moment by moment throughout each and every day, friend, we have to make a choice to follow the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And our choices have 
consequences. I want you to notice this morning some things that bear themselves out from this, this service. When all the nation of Israel's gathered together in Shechem, half to the north, half to the south, the word of God is written after they offer sacrifices, the people make decisions, and then they have to live them out. First off, notice the place. Look at verse number 33 again of our text in Joshua chapter 8. It says, Then all Israel with the elders, the officers, the judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well, as he was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them were in front of Mount Ebal. As we've already said, uh, this was like a natural amphitheater. So get the setting. There in the center of the valley is the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. Joshua is there. All the Levites are there surrounding the Ark of the Covenant. Half of the nation of Israel to the north, right underneath the crest of Mount Ebal. Half to the south, right underneath the crest of Mount Gerizim. All the people are there. The valley is an illustration, friend, of the daily decision each person would have to make in response to God's word. God was giving them because the Jews require a sign. They needed to have an illustration. They, after this victory, needed to be reminded that their success in life, don't miss this, determined on their response, their faith response to the word of God. And it's the same for us today. To conclusion our service, we're, we're going to come to a valley of Shechem place. We're going to come to a place of decision. The, the lost person's going to have to choose whether they'll receive Jesus Christ or reject Him. The blessing is you experience God's forgiveness, you experience spiritual life, you experience physical life more abundantly. The cursing is die without Christ, you go to hell for all eternity. For every believer, it, wherever the Spirit of God challenges you, where you are lacking today, the blessing is this if you respond... You experience God's best. He changes you further, Romans 8, 29, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The cursing is this. Hebrews 12 says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he's going to deal with you. The Spirit of God will chastise you and will deal with you. He will not let his children sin successfully. And so that's what the end of the service represents. It's a place to choose. It's not just a place to mentally check out. It's not where I decide where we're going to eat lunch. It's not where we look around to see who's already checked out of the service and left early. It's my time to respond to the Word of God. As I study my Bible every morning, I'm not just closing it up and just checking the block. Now's my opportunity to respond to what the Spirit of God has spoken to me today as I've read His Word and I've prayed over what I've read. All throughout the day is an opportunity, friend, to walk with God, to live out doctrine, to put it into performance. It's doctrine in shoe leather. And every moment of our life is an opportunity to respond and to choose. And so remember that, that what, what my response to God's Word, there's, there's four things I'm always looking for. Three initially, but the fourth is always my response. What's the original message to the original audience? What's the time-transcending truth that never changes? What's this application from this passage of Scripture that I've studied today, that God's speaking to me? And then fourth is, what's my response going to be? 
How am I, God, how am I going to respond to how you're challenging me from this? So that's the place where all this has taken place. It's a place of decision. Second, I want you to notice the participants who were there. Verse 33 says, Then all Israel, and that's everybody, no one was exempt, everybody in their place, the priests and the Levites, those charged carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they were with the Ark of the Covenant. Joshua was there. He had his ministry. The six tribes that Moses had identified would be to the north. They were where they were supposed to be. The six tribes who were supposed to be the south that he had designated in Deuteronomy 27, they were there. Everybody had their place. It, it, again, friend, is, 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 a, is, a, is a teaching point that God's message is for all people. All of Scripture, friend, is for everyone. There's not one single part of the Word of God, friend, that's not for you. It's not for you. Uh, every, every word, every jot, every tittle, every single part of God's Word is for me. And it's, and it's for you. And it's an opportunity to respond and to, to grow in Christ. Because why? God wanted to bless his people. God didn't want to curse the nation of Israel. But as surely as they disobeyed, friend, they were going to be cursed. But God had rather bless. He wants to bless. And so the word of God is for all people. God wants all people to be saved, 1 Timothy 2.4. 2 Timothy 3.9, he wants all people to repent. God's Word is for all people. John 10, 10, uh, and, and, and verse number 9 really sets the tone for verse 10. Jesus says, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and life more abundantly. Jesus didn't come, friends, so that somebody might go to hell, but he came so people wouldn't go to hell. He came that people might be able to experience a life that cannot be experienced apart from his part of their life and their surrender, total surrender to his lordship. And so I hope everybody here this morning came, you really came looking for a blessing. You came to respond. You know, church is one of the few places that some people actually come to and already make the mental decision. They're not going to do whatever they're asked to do that day. You think about this, you know, you go to the dentist, you don't, you don't set aside time to go to the dentist and say, you know, I'm going to get in the chair and I'm just going to rebel against him today. When she tells me to open my mouth, I'm going to keep it shut. When she says wider, I'm going to clamp down. When they say, you know, now open your mouth, so no, I'm, mm -mm, mm -mm. you don't go to the doctor and do that. When you go to the doctor, they say, stick out your arm. You don't say, well, I'm going to put my hands in my pocket today. They say, you know, sir, sit up here on the table. No, I'm getting in the floor. You go there knowing you're going to obey what's asked to do. But, you know, people actually show up to church and I say, well, I'm going today, but I'm not going to do whatever the Bible asks me to do. They've already made their mind up. They're going to live how they want to live and do what they want to do. But they're still going to come. Well, friend, the Word of God is for all people. And as we come to a time of invitation, it's not just for the lost people. It's not for the person that you think's backslid. Friend, it's for me. It's for you. It's an opportunity for each of us to grow closer to Jesus Christ and respond to the Word. So there was the place, there were the participants, participants, easy for me to say. But third, notice there's the purification. Before worship can take place, before they could feast on the Word, 
They had to wash their heart. They had to get clean before God. Look what the Bible says in verse number 30. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. As Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded in the book of the Israel, in, in, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses. Now listen. An altar of whole stones of which no man has wielded an iron tool whatsoever. And so he built an altar, and it was to be made of natural stone. Wasn't to be hewed, wasn't to be put together. Why is that? Because, friend, if they would have got all the masons together to put it together, they never would have torn it down. Every year, Joshua's family would have come back and celebrated that memorial day and taken pictures beside that beautiful little altar that was there out there in the, the wilderness. And they would have worshipped the altar rather than the God who was blessing through the sacrifices that were made on the altar. Churches do that all the time. That's why we've got a bell out here in the parking lot that's in the way. Friend, I want to tell you something. This church building doesn't make God special. He makes it special. If you're not careful in the South... You'll start worshiping the little church out in the dale rather than the God who comes there to change people's lives in the church in the little dale. See, the altar didn't make God special. God made the altar special. The cross didn't make Jesus special. Jesus made the cross special. And what Satan wants us to do is to start worshiping all these things that are attached to church rather than the God who meets us here and changes hearts and lives. So, very interesting that he says, you know, don't, don't use any pretty stones. Just put it together and make an altar, because if not, they'd have worshipped the altar. Notice the three things that took place there in the purification. There was the penance, the placement, and then there was also the peace. Now, purification's got to take place, but three things are going to happen there. Penance, placement, and peace. Look again in verse number 31. The latter part, the Bible says that they offered their own burnt offerings. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 13 says this, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Hebrews 9, 22 says, For without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. Leviticus 17, 11 says, The life of the flesh is in the blood. What was going to take place upon that altar? A sacrifice, a burnt offering. Offering Leviticus chapter 1 details what would take place there. It was an offering for sin. Sin stands between man and God. It separates us. And so they needed, first off, to deal with their sin. And the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 21, as that burnt offering was offered, don't miss this, as an offering for their sin, it went up as a sweet smelling aroma to God. In Ephesians chapter 5, and verse number 2 says this, And walk in love as Christ has also loved us, listen, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. That's what Jesus Christ did upon the cross, friend. He was our burnt offering. He was our sin substitute. And his sacrifice was a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And because Jesus has taken my place, friend, my sins can be forgiven, and I can be purified before a holy God. So there was penance that took place, but also there was placement. 
The burnt offering also represented dedication to God. It was wholly put upon the altar. Listen, friend, if anybody knew that they were fully dedicated to what was happening, it was the animal that got skint and placed on the altar. It gave its life wholly and completely, but it was to be a symbol of what was to take place in the person's heart, that they were wholly dedicating themselves to God. That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the tender mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. Wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That means all of you's got to be on the altar. Not just part. Not just a little bit. Not 90%, but 100% of you, friend, must be upon the altar. All in if you're going to be fully dedicated to the Lord. So there was penance, there was placement, but there was also peace. Look again at the, the latter part of verse 31. It says, They offered upon uh, this altar that was just made with natural stones, burnt offerings to the Lord, and they sacrificed peace offerings. Now these represented fellowship. Uh, atonement had already taken place. They were wholly dedicated. Now this was an offering of fellowship. The offering that was made upon the altar, it was placed upon the wood, it was cooked as it was, as it was sacrificed. Then part the priest would give back to the participant. And now they had food that they would share with their family. The priest took part and they ate part of the sacrifice. They ate this meat that had been cooked upon the altar. And as it was, they were, in, they were internalizing Christ, as it were. They were fellowshipping with the Lord. They were sharing a meal with God. So part was given back to consume. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, Therefore, having been justified by faith, listen, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice and in hope of the glory of God. And so there, there had to be purification. There was penance, there was placement, but there was also peace that took place. Fourth, notice now very quickly, the printing that took place. Deuteronomy 27, verses 2 through 3, said that he was to take stones and he was to whitewash them with lime. And so this was to make a white background, and then he was to plainly print the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And verse number 1 says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And so Joshua had to write all the law out on these rocks so that the people could know what it was that they had to obey. Because if they didn't obey all the law, they wouldn't be fully blessed. And so, remember those four key words that we've got to internalize in the Word of God. No, stow, show, and so. I have to know God's Word, then I stow God's Word, and then I show God's Word, but I can't show what I haven't stoned, and I can't stow what I don't know. And so it goes without saying, he had to write all of the Word out. They didn't have Bibles. Everybody didn't have a scroll. Joshua had a copy. It was not to depart from his mouth. He was to meditate upon it day and night. For only then would he have success, Joshua chapter 1. But he had to give the people all of the Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. 
Uh, the Apostle Paul says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Listen to verse 17. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture. Well, friend, it goes without saying then, if you don't know all Scripture, you won't be thoroughly equipped. Now, please tell me you understand that this morning. Say amen. And if you don't get it, raise your hand so I can say it again. All right, I'll say it one more time. Nobody raised their hand, but I'm going to say it one more time. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Joshua wrote down, because he wanted the people to know everything that was written. Well, if they didn't know it, they couldn't fully be blessed. My friend, there's not a part of God's Word that's not for you. And if you want to be thoroughly equipped for every good work, you have to know all the Bible. Listen to me, friend. God won't bless laziness. If you're going to know the Word of God, you've got to put time into study. And don't give me this while I struggle with reading and I don't understand. I'm so thankful for Philippians 4.13. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And every single person who the Holy Spirit lives within your heart, you can learn the Bible from cover to cover if you'll simply put the time in to do it. So the printing, he wrote down all the Word of God. You must desire all of God's Word to be thoroughly equipped. Fifth notice now, the preaching. Now he's written down the Word of God. Now it's time to proclaim God's Word. Look at verse number 34 of Joshua 8. It says, And after he'd read all the words of the law, the blessings, the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law, there was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel. Without fear, without favor, Joshua didn't sit down and say, Well, I wonder what they want to hear today. He just gave all the Word of God. And my friend, that is our job from the pulpit. That's our job from every lectern in this church. It's our job as we teach children. We're to teach the whole counsel of the Word of God and leave the results with Him. If somebody doesn't want all the Word of God, there are plenty of churches that won't preach and teach the Word of God that they can go find and have their ear scratched. But if you're going to be a church that God blesses, and you're going to be a church, and you're going to be a ministry, and you're going to be a part of ministry, that you can stand at the judgment seat of Christ and hear Jesus say, well done, and that you gave them all the Word, you challenged them with all the Word, you taught them all the Word in your discipleship ministry away from the church, you taught people to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's the only way you can do that, friend, to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, is to be faithful to give people all the word. And so he, he read everything, every single thing. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15, our, our Awana verse, uh, study to show yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You've got to study all of it, friend. Not, not just the, the things that you think are easy. And that means the Old Testament, too. Can I remind you that the Bible that Jesus preached from was the Old Testament? I had these folks that wouldn't have known God if they'd met him in the road. Used to say, I like them Gospels now. I just want to hear all them Gospels. They didn't want to hear all the Gospels because the Gospels hadn't impacted their life because they wouldn't repent and trust Christ to be Lord of their life. 
A disciple of God, friend, doesn't have a book, a verse, a chapter, a word that they don't want to hear. They want to hear all the Bible because our desire is to look less like us and more like Jesus Christ. And so he gave them all of the Word of God. John 17, 17, your Word is truth. Jesus says, sanctify them with your truth. So there's the preaching, but six, notice, there's the promise. There's a promise in everything that he read that day. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 2, God says, I'll, I'll bless you. If you obey these things, you will be blessed. Verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes which I've commanded you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. There's a promise. And Joshua told them that. Friend, it's this simple. Obey the word of God, you will be blessed. Disobey the word of God, you will be cursed. Does anybody dislike life to be difficult? Confusing? Anybody? Well, stand up so we can pray for you right now. Would you? Anybody? Friend, I like simple. If you like simple, say amen. amen. Simple's great. It's wonderful. Friend, this is simple. This is so simple. Obey the Word of God, and God will bless your life. Now, I don't mean bless like the Pentecostals say. Friend, there may, it's the, the, the choir sung this morning. There may be challenges and difficulties. You may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but the blessing is this. God's going to lead you through it. He's going to be there to dry your tears. He's going to be there to carry you, to grow you, and to teach you, and to lead you through so that you'll look less like you and more like Him. That's blessing in the midst of hardship. The cursing is this, friend. You're on your own. It's not that God left you. You left Him. You said, no, I'm not going to walk according to your word. I know best. I'm going my way. My friend, God will let you go. But if you're his child, he will chastise you. He will deal with you. He may send physical challenges upon you to try to turn you and drive you to your knees. And I want to remind you again, the book of 1 John teaches there is a sin unto death. You may even come to a place, my friend, that he kills you and takes you home to glory that you might not embarrass him anymore. There's a promise from God's word. For the church today, there's a great promise. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no asterisk that says see exceptions. Whoever means whoever. Scrape to the bottom of whatever you think lives at the bottom of sin's barrel, my friend. And the Bible says the blood and the grace of God, friend, can cleanse that sinner from all their iniquity if they'll only turn and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. What a promise. But what's the reverse truth? Don't call upon the name of the Lord, you'll die and go to hell for all eternity. Matthew 6, promises this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That means if I seek Christ to be Lord of my life, He'll take care of all my needs. So often people ask me, you know, to pray for a loved one or pray for them about some need that they've got. You know, pray for this, you know, I'm interviewing for a new job. Pray for this, you know, we're, we're trying to get this promotion. Pray for this, we're trying to accomplish this. Pray for this, we're going to try to sell this piece of land. And my response now is this, I've just learned over these years, is just simply this, Matthew 6, And they'll look at you like you're crazy. But friend, what's the, what's the great promise in this? The Bible promises in Matthew 6, for the child of God, listen to me, 
If I seek the kingdom of God, that is, I seek for Jesus Christ to rule and to reign over my life, listen, then he's going to give me the job that he wants me to have. He's going to get me the promotion that he wants me to have, or I'm not going to get the promotion. I'll sell that piece of land if he wants me to, or I won't sell that piece of land. Friend, is that not easy? That'll wake you up right there. Is that not easy? Some of you aren't hearing me this morning. The Bible promises in Matthew 6.33, if I put Jesus Christ first, he promises to meet all my needs according to his will. What's the reverse truth? If I don't put him first, friend, I'll never get his best. So everybody's wanting you to pray for all these little things, but really what people need is this. Seek Christ's rule and reign over your life, and he's going to give you all the things that he wants you to have to accomplish his will in your life. Well, I'll tell you a negative verse with a great promise. Eternal changing promises, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. Whoever's name was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Bible promises that, friend. Every person who refuses to trust Christ, they'll be cursed forever in a place called hell. God's word says that. There's the preaching, there's the promise. Seventh notes this morning, the pick. The pick. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 9. Listen, one who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Do you hear that? One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Well, what was the wisdom in that? People all the time say, no, God, I've got this need. God, I want you to bless me. Friend, I've never met anybody that says, I need you to pray for me. I'm wanting God to curse me. I've got this prayer need. I really want God's worst in my life. Could you put us on your prayer list? Nobody prays that way. Anytime someone asks for prayer, you can sum it up in this. They want God to bless them. Well, the Bible says the one who turns their ear away from the law that says this, God, I want you to bless me, but I don't want to hear all that hard preaching. I don't want to hear this stuff about lordship because in my ears, lordship, that just sounds like legalism to me. The Bible says you're, that person's prayer is an absolute abomination to God. Why? They want God's blessing, but they don't want God's life and they don't want his lordship over it. God says it's an abomination. So Joshua's calling the people now to pick. He's standing in their midst by the Ark of the Covenant, he's reading the law in their midst. He's reading the blessings, those to Mount Gerizim. Every time he reads a blessing, they go, Amen! He'll read another blessing. They say, Amen! They read another blessing. Amen! And everybody to Mount Ebal on the north, they're just standing there. Well, then he comes to the cursings. Cursed is the man. And then they say, Amen! The people have a visible illustration of this, friend. What? You've got to choose. God won't choose for you. They, in that moment, had to make a choice as they continued on to conquer city after city every single day to surrender their life to the Lordship of Almighty God. To be a doer of His Word. 
If they wanted to be blessed, they had to pick. They had to make a choice. And everybody here is going to make a choice this morning of one, one kind or another. Every person, including yours truly, friend, has areas of their life that they can grow more closer to God in. And so as we come to a time of invitation today, everybody's going to pick. The lost person, you're going to pick whether you're going to trust Christ to be Lord of your life tonight, or you're going to pick whether you're going to walk out here lost again. And if you died, you'll spend eternity in hell. For those that are saved but aren't all in, there's areas of your life, doors in the house of your life, as it were, that you own the keys to, that God don't. You won't let Him in. You're going to make a choice. Whether you're going to wholly give your life to Christ, or you're going to walk out here again with holding part of your life to yourself and experiencing God's cursings. You're going to pick. There's never a time that you're confronted with God's Word. Be it your quiet time, something you listen to on the radio, a verse you read on someone's wall, at work, whatever. Anytime you're confronted by the Word of God, you're going to make a choice how you respond to it. There is no neutral. Say, well, I'm not going to pick. You just picked. To not say yes to God is to say no. So it was the pick they had to make a choice. Luke 9, 23. It's, it's a life of a disciple. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross when? Daily. Daily. It's a choice to take up your cross and follow Jesus fully. You have to pick every single day. Not eighth, notice the performance. Now they had to live it out. We're so prone to think as Baptists, you know, we show up to service, show up to revival. Had revival. Yep, a lot of decisions made. Great. Guess what? Now it's time to put it in shoe leather. I'm sure that was an awesome service to go to. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, they've been in all these fights, blood and guts and maiming, and it's been terrible, and the effect they've had. Now they get to go to this great worship service and get to be a part of hearing God's Word preached and taught, and man, to hear everybody shouting amen back and forth, great. But guess what? Now you've got to live it out. They had to go from there and put it into effect. You hear me this morning, friend. Know God's Word, stow God's Word, but you have to show God's Word. I'm telling you, hell's going to be full of people, listen to me, that picked Jesus Christ right here, but they never received Him here in repentance and faith. They wouldn't turn and trust Him. The judgment seat of Christ is going to be lined up with people that knew they needed to witness. They knew they needed to have a quiet time every day. They knew that they needed to discover their spiritual gift and serve in the life, in the life of the local church. But they wouldn't do it. They just wouldn't do it. Give every excuse. They knew, they knew, they knew, but they wouldn't perform the Word of God. Whatever it is that we read, that the Spirit of God challenges us, that He might make us more, Romans 8, 29, to the likeness of Christ, we've got to pick... And you have to perform. You have to put it into shoe leather. Their response to the Word of God, listen to me, determined blessing or cursing. And it's no different for us. If you've never been saved, look at me. Choose Jesus Christ today. Experience life, life more abundantly. If you don't, my friend, if you die today, you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. Child of God, for whatever reason that is beyond me, you're still not all in. You're still riding the fence, thinking God's holding out on you somehow. He's not, friend. The best is yours to have if you'll just give all of you to Him. Because if you don't, 
you'll experience his cursing. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Friend, won't you choose Jesus Christ today? He died for you on the cross. He wants to forgive you of your sin and save you from sin's penalty, but you must choose to turn from your sin and receive him as Lord of your life. If you would do that, just voice it to him now in a simple prayer of faith, just like this where you sit. God, forgive me of my sin. I believe your word that Christ died for me, that he rose again. I trust him today to be Lord of my life. Your word says if I will call upon you, you will save me. I'm calling on Jesus to be Lord of my life. By faith, I believe you've done that. Now make me into the man or woman you want me to be. If you prayed that, you meant it. In just a moment, when they begin to sing, I'm going to invite you to make your way to the front. Just come to where I'm standing and say, I prayed that prayer. I, I chose Jesus Christ today. I chose to receive his gift that he offered to me. And I want to share with you what God wants to do next. Friend, are you, are you living in the blessing of God? You will not experience God's full blessing unless you are all in and being a doer daily of His Word at all times and in all things. You've got to choose every single day, Luke 9, 23, to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Jesus Christ fully. If you know there's areas of your life where you're not doing that in, won't you lay Him at His feet today? Why don't you just have a time of purification this morning? Ask Him to cleanse you from that sin and penance. In placement, why don't you lay yourself all on the altar again, every bit of you, and be, walk out of here today a living sacrifice and experience peace with God that passes all understanding because you're in a right relationship with Him now. Father, challenge us. Speak to us. Remind us, God, every single time we are confronted by your word, we're going to have to make a choice. And those choices have consequences in our life. By faith, God, help us by the power of your spirit to always choose faith. Bless this time. Lead us into your will. I pray men and women are going to choose now to respond to what you're calling them to do, that they might experience your best and your blessing. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet.